Hello and welcome to Come Ogre Here, a podcast about the subtext of Shrek and what it means to us here today in 2021. We are Seema Matu and who am I speaking with? My enemy. No, it's Serena Mohammed. What? You're not my enemy? No, we're colleagues. Colleagues? That's how I'm redefining our relationship now because I've had enough of bickering with you I mean... and this is strictly professional. If you have any slander to address to me, please put it in a politely worded email and I will get back to you in two to three business days. I still actually have to post some hate mail to you. Um, you do. I've been waiting for it for about six months. Oh, I have not done that yet. Actually, it's more than six months because you said you said it was for my birthday. Do you remember when that was, Seema? June. June! Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? I'm quite surprised at myself because usually I don't hesitate to hate you. But you do hesitate on the admin. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting to see, actually, when you, you like hating me but you don't like admin and when faced with something that is both the admin actually wins out <laughs> your hatred of admin is stronger than your hatred of me which if anything <laughs> is quite comforting as long as you know i hate you that's fine normally this we have like a shrek and donkey vibe but i feel like at the moment we've got like a very puss and donkey vibe where we just it's just mutual hatred so if we have a shrek and donkey vibe who's shrek you're shrek obviously no <laughs> Yes. But I'm far funnier than you. Shrek is arguably quite funny. No, but not as funny as Donkey, I guess. Yeah, but Donkey's the one that, like, doesn't hate Shrek. You're the one that hates me normally, and I'm, like, just happy to be here. Yeah, but (laughs) you're annoying like Donkey, but you're not funny like Donkey. I'm funny like Donkey, and you're annoying. I am so sorry, but I'm actually funnier than you. (sighs) Anyway, we are two seasoned tenured Shrektarian Shrekspert with a passion for ogling the ogre and this my friends is the radio special. Can you believe it? We have a radio special. We've made it. This is the big time, Seema. This really is the big time and I'm ready for it. We've been invited by our dear friend Sandy, also known as DJ Nahi and she has kindly asked us to grace this radio station with frankly our knowledge about all things Shrek and the Shrek soundtrack and I don't know we're just going to argue about it for a bit how does that sound good to me so go on you've got a plan you're a person with a plan today you've done hours and hours of meticulous prep work you've invested blood sweat and tears in figuring out a little plan for us today so go on what are we doing what is the format what's going on I sat in a waiting room in a hospital and thought to myself maybe I should ask Serena you are in the swamp you're drowning. The swamp is like quicksand and you're drowning. And the only thing that will save you is five Shrek songs. What? No, this is the structure. So you are stranded on a swamp. Shrek swamp. And you can only take with you five songs from the soundtrack. What's so funny? This is a serious issue, this is situation the- that somebody that could be in. Especially us. But anyway, you're stranded in a swamp. You only have five songs. These are your items that you're going to live off of. From the Shrek saga. Which five songs are you picking? This is life or death. I'm crying. Why? If 
five times. That's the fifth time you've gone, no, 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 we're redoing the structure. It's like this. Yeah, I mean, all of those things are high stakes. Why? So why? I want to know. <laughs> why are the stakes so high? The stakes are really high because either you pick the five songs and you enjoy them for the rest of your life, or why could they not just be my top five songs from the Shrek soundtrack? Why does that have to be? Your wife is gonna get murdered at midnight. Which songs will save? I mean, if you want to go with that, I got the... it's deranged. It's deranged. I just, just need a minute. <laughs> right, are we ready to answer the question about the five songs that you would take with you on a deserted swab? Just top five songs from the Shrek soundtrack. Just normal stakes. We're just having a calm, casual chat. We're just two people. No one's getting sent to a gulag in a swamp. <laughs> yes, all right, my top five songs from Shrek. I'm going to start with number one. I think this song is iconic on the Shrek soundtrack, and it's because this opens up the whole thing. It is the first song that gets played in the first film. It very much sets the tone for it as a series, and that is All Star by Smash Mouth. Okay. Would you agree? Is that on your top five? It is. Sing it for us then. Hey now, you're an all-star, get the, get, put the game on. Yeah. Now somebody once told me. <laughs> you have to do the, you have, it has to be somebody. It's going to be really forceful. Somebody once told me the world is going to roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. Come on, sing along. No. And then she was looking kind of dumb with a figure and a thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. And the years stop coming and they don't stop coming and they don't... What, what is it? The years... You know what I mean? I have some, I have a, I have some f- cheeky context, actually. I have a bit of a fun fact, if you will, about this song. Please let us know what this fun fact is. Okay, so, I think it's interesting that this song is, like, so iconic for the Shrek soundtrack. Like, if you think Shrek soundtrack, I immediately go to this song. And if I hear this song, I think of Shrek. Mm. And I think it's interesting that the songwriter for Smash Mouth didn't actually want All Star to be in Shrek. I'm just going to read a little bit from the article that I found about this. Oh. All Star was written by a member of Smash Mouth called Greg Camp. And he said to, like, Billboard or something, or, like, some, like, music magazine, he said, back then, that's what it was. You don't put your songs in commercials. Maybe a cool film or something, but with Shrek, he was like, well, this is going to put us in a Disney zone. We're just going to have to be there making songs for, like, kids and families, and, like, that's not cool, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just, like, weighing up, do we want to be cool or do we want to have money? And, well, like, if we have lots of money, do we have, like, longevity? And, like, what about our creative credibility? And, like, all these things like it's not just about being cool Mm. and that like push and pull of like do you want the money or do you want like i don't know the less tangible stuff i think it's interesting that the money won out (laughs) i mean it's not my vibe i don't know any other songs by them so neither do i shall i go on smash mouth spotify page let me go number one all star number two i'm a believer also on the shrek soundtrack I'm a believer. At the end, when Shrek and Fiona get married. So these songs weren't made for Shrek. They were just made separate, devoid of Shrek, but featured in the Shrek saga. Is that right? I think so. Right. I think you're right. It's inviting. And it does set that tone for how we might deem the rest of Shrek to be. Obviously, we now, being this seasoned, know that it's really quite annoying and regressive and problematic cancelled cancelled indeed but question why why do people think that like being stuck 
in child films like why is that a thing that like not to aspire to or not to i actually have an answer for this like why yeah why would you be so worried about like being in a kid's film and like not seeming cool it seems ridiculous now as a concern to have but i think that's because i think we've got to remember that it was a very different time Mm. the first shrek film came out in 2001 and i think while now at the moment cool is like not very cool. Like, it's not cool to be cool. Do you know what I mean? What do you mean? Like, we're post-cool now. We're post-irony. Cool is, like, it's ephemeral. Mm-hmm. There's no prescriptive way of being cool. Back in the 90s, there definitely was. And back in the 90s, when they were, like, planning this film, there definitely was, like, a prescriptive way of being cool. And it was, like... Do you mean, like, a hierarchy of being cool that will have been embedded into, like, that music, Hollywood, film, life... Is a lifestyle the right word? I don't know. But, like... Yeah. Yeah, I I guess lifestyle where, like, the hierarchy of cool was based off of the shit that you were an ambassador for. So, in their eyes, this is a children's film, and so they couldn't do it because children's films aren't deemed cool. And things that are deemed cool would be what? Like, sex-related? Like, like what? Well, like, I I, I don't think it's as, like concrete as that i think it's it's not like cool is you know fucking weed and fucking fucking yeah it's not like that i mean maybe actually it was that but that even predates like that's like 60s and 70s right and like maybe 80s and then like in the 90s it was more kind of like just like anti-establishment vibes and like more of an attitude like we forget back in the 90s one of the like biggest things to happen to music was like grunge and like shoegaze and like grunge was cool because it was just like no fucks were given like let's just be really sloppy and like floppy with the way that we're playing this music wasn't the irony of grunge and its coolness that it was never it was supposed to be a fuck you to music like a parody yeah it's entirely postmodern because it's like both grunge and shoegaze are like characterized by this kind of 90s irony right mm. so it, it's like that was the era of irony and now we're post irony like irony isn't really cool anymore it's cool to be sincere and whatever that means kind of is what it means but like back then like there was like grunge and shoegaze that were like ironic ways of like dealing with showmanship or performance or like like shoegaze is called shoegaze because musicians were so like embarrassed about being on stage that they just look at their shoes and like not really engage with anything mm. you know culturally historically it's very different to like I don't know the way performance was conceptualised back in like the like 60s 70s with like punk and like all those other kind of like music historical epochs yeah back when Shrek 1 came out irony was like a heavy way to be like cool so it makes complete sense that they didn't want to be in Shrek because it was absolutely fundamentally not fucking cool because it's a kids film that like is sincerely about an ogre like it's really just about an ogre okay but now my follow up is this truly a children's film is it a kids film well now you ask the real question isn't it like that's that's (laughs) that's the fucking heavy hitter that's the Newsnight Paxman special is it a children's film and (laughs) (laughs) I would say that Shrek is for everyone and no one simultaneously Mm, oh I love that that's gorgeous Mm -hmm. oh and I will not be explaining further that's it that just is what it is on its own 
Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm fine with that. And I agree. Nice. Oh, we've not done any arguing. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay, go on. What's your number two? What would you, If you agree with Sma- like with All Star by Smash Mouth, what would your number two be? So immediately, I think about that song, Accidentally in Love, by... Oh, fuck. Who's it by? I think it's Counting Crows. Counting Crows! Are you serious? You've not done any prep. No, not, not once. And fun fact for you, it was among the top-rated and most popular songs of the year in 2004. Thanks to both the marketing and huge success of the film's sequel. Wait, hold on. Accidentally in Love? Yes, it's in the opening honeymoon montage of Shrek 2. And that's why I remember it. I'm really not assimilating that fact. I find that so absolutely batshit. Why? Because if you think about it, right? Like, Smash Mouth being, like, proper music snobs, little hipsters about, like, not wanting to be their song to be in Shrek. Like, oh, it's not cool. <laughs> ooh, ooh, we're too, like, fucking hipster trash to put our song in Shrek. We're too good for it. Mm. What about our cool credentials? And then it's like the most fucking iconic song on the Shrek soundtrack. And then Accidentally in Love by Counting Crows blows up most popular song of the year. I mean, yes. Because of Shrek. Yes. To be honest, sometimes I conflate the two, those two specific songs. Accidentally in Love and All Star. All Stars? What do you think Accidentally in Love sounds like? Go on, sing it. No, when he's like, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. <laughs> Borat voice. That was a Borat <laughs> voice. That was Borat singing the Shrek soundtrack. I cannot. That was absolutely the voice of somebody who is not in love at the moment. So I don't think I should be singing it. But yeah, the reason I remember it, I remember a specific scene, the running through the fields, because it was like very like, Dilvale Dulhaniya Le Jange. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And that's why I remember it. I love that you said the entire title and not just DDLJ. I was gonna, but then I thought, do you know what? I'm a proud multilinguist. Is that <laughs> is that a word? Multilinguist! Well, as a multilinguist, you should know, shouldn't you? <laughs> do you even speak English? But fine, yeah. It reminds me of that. The slow-mo, them running towards each other, and it's all very romanticised and whatever. And it's one of my favourite scenes of Shrek 2, actually, because it's just so nice. And, like, we get to see Fiona just being an ogre for the first time and it's just really nice what i feel like you've misremembered that montage because she punches ariel seema she does a fart in the jacuzzi and as they're running to meet each other in the field and it cuts away to a scene to show the scene extended beyond that little close-up viewpoint and there are villagers chasing them with pitchforks <laughs> Oh. oh my god, you're absolutely right. It's funny. She throws Ariel back in the water. Yeah, or she like body slams her back into the waves. Yeah, she no, she drags her by the tail. By the tail and she flips her back into the water. She flips the girl back in the water, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Shrek farts in the jacuzzi and then he looks at her like, oh, oh no, I farted. And then she does a bigger fart. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, it's what encompasses their honeymoon, which is nice for them, I guess. It's not for me, but it's nice for them. <laughs> it's quite cute. It's a good opening montage. I think, like, yeah, I mean, I think it's a well-chosen song. It fits the it fits the mood. Mm. And I think it adds a little bit of comedy to it because it's like, they were accidentally in love. And it's also kind of like... It handles the, like, I don't know, honeymoon weirdness and, like, the we're ogres, we're in love, we're on honeymoon. It handles that with, like, a little bit of, like, irony. Mm. It's just a nice friction to have in that moment, I think. It's a good song. Yeah, it's very fitting. And it's just very summery, you know? Like, it's just very, like, summer vibes. Yeah. It's very, like, holiday vibes. And I like that. I don't know about holiday. I feel like it's English beach holiday. What do you mean? What, to Blackpool? <laughs> Yeah, it's like British seaside. It's not like Marbella, like... Oh, yeah, it's very Barry Island, isn't it? Oh, yes, Barry Island. 
Right? Yeah. Just on that note, as I said, it's very fitting, the whole accidentally in love thing. I was going to say, would you say that it's an effective tool for sort of foreshadowing just how much the opposite happens for a little while? Hmm. I don't know. I think the term accident is really charged. And like that can just be looked at in so many ways. Like the accident of them forming a relationship, but also the accidents that follow the accident of them going to far, far away. The accident among the fairy godmother and charming and what unfolds there the accident of him becoming human blah 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 like there's a lot of like senseless rapid movement in like one and two and i feel like a lot of it is left up to chance or like serendipity or like fate even and not so much the individual characters like actual plans yeah and so like that yeah you're right i think accident is a charged word it's interesting yeah that is oh that is like some english lit analysis all right alliteration assonance yeah indeed i think you're right that the word accident is charged but then i think to say that they are actually indeed accidentally in in love is i think inaccurate because they arguably fall in love twice and for that to happen accidentally twice would be an insane coincidence you know what i mean statistically what are the odds what do you mean they fall in love accidentally twice if fiona could have just run off with prince charming but she knew that prince charming in shrek 2 was not shrek because he he was pretending to be Shrek, wasn't he? He was pretending he was Shrek and she knew that he was not Shrek and she was like, no, I want to be with you, Shrek, and I want to be an ogre. She chose that. That's not really an accident. That sounds purposeful, if anything. She wasn't waiting on no manifestation, no fucking universe crystal shit bringing it to her. She was like, I want to be an ogre. Boom. So, no, so then they fell in love accidentally the once. No, because then, don't you remember in Shrek 2 they were fighting? Yeah, but just because you fight, does that mean that you fall out of love? No, but arguably their love was reaffirmed. It's all just a crock of shit anyway, isn't it? Why? (laughs) Oh, you're mean. I'm not mean. Like, why is that an accident? Like, isn't the way that we're thinking about it as like, oh, they're accidentally in love. Like, isn't that like already a prejudiced thought that they it would only be an accident for them to fall in love? Nah, nah, nah. Like, it's just like, you know, who intends to fall... You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm feeling, this is like proper mushy shit. Like, which I think is cute because I think this is actually coming out on Valentine's Day, but like, you know, or like around then. But who actually ever intends to fall in love? You know, who goes into love with purpose? They don't call it plotting to be in love they call it falling in love because it's like uncontrollable you can't really exert any influence over how you feel in that sense so like everyone that falls in love arguably is indeed accidentally in love which is pretty profound if you think about it so thank you counting crows for that fucking modern wisdom yeah i love that and i also love the idea of plotting to be in love which is arguably how i've gone about every oh cut that out <laughs> true i'm just chatting shit if i had any control over it do you think i would have gone out with the people i've dated absolutely not they were accidental as fuck you think i chose them no no (laughs) well moving on swiftly (laughs) shall i do number three yeah go for it what comes to mind right i think we cannot talk about the shrek soundtrack without talking about hallelujah by rufus wainwright when does that come on again are you what right shrek one shrek and fiona have just had a fight because he is kind of like being an ogre and she's like i'm leaving i'm gonna marry lord farquad yes she goes off and then he's like she's gone r.i.p i love her and then she's like oh my god he let me go r.i.p i love him i'm gonna marry tiny little lord farquad with his you know enormous bobblehead and then it's hallelujah okay and why have you chosen it it's iconic why it's in my mind kind of started 
a narrative trope. It, it, it became like a bit of a fixture in the Shrek franchise. And we've spoken about this at length in our full episodes. Mm-hmm. I think we spoke about this most recently in the Christmas episode where it's like Shrek has these moments where he just is sad. He's just in his like ogre feelings where he's like, oh, I wish I wasn't an ogre. I'm so misunderstood because I'm an ogre. Oh my God, I'm like not allowed nice things or friends or people because I'm an ogre and I'm so lonely. And like, I just want this. I just want to be loved. I just want to be held and understood and like I can't because I'm an ogre yeah and actually I think a lot of the reason for the fact that he is alone in those moments is because he is quite toxic to the people around him like his toxic behavior kind of like pushes them away and he's he's not the most emotionally healthy person or the most emotionally intelligent person which you know fair enough who out of us is like fucking squeaky clean with their mental health cool Mm. we're not stigmatizing him today you know go off king but like I don't think that's any excuse for, like, toxic behaviour to the people you supposedly love. And I think the Hallelujah sequence is meant to be sad, but it's also kind of low-key gaslighting the audience, in my honest opinion. Yeah. It's kind of like trying to make you feel bad for Shrek when actually he's not really done anything to make you feel bad for him. Like, he's arguably not deserving of your sympathy in that moment in time. Yet somehow the music makes you feel bad for him. Do you think about Fiona at all? in that sequence like do you remember how you felt about Fiona when you first saw that because I think I tend to think about her more when I hear that song oh do you reason being like the sense of entrapment even though she's literally fleeing but like she's so trapped and it's so sad and it's so like oh you know like it's Mm. I think that that's a totally, like, relatable feeling. Like, I certainly relate to the feeling of, like, entrapment or, like, being, like, so, like, you don't have the strength at that moment in time to, like, break free out of whatever you're dealing with or whatever. And, like, she, at that time, in context, she wasn't, like, fully aware of what was going on with her body and her image and whatever, but also was absolutely, like, terrified by the thought of it as well. And there's so much attached to that. And I think that that has more weight than whatever Shrek's going through because as you said the feeling or the consensus is that it's just a gaslight moment for us to feel sorry for the protagonist but really I feel sad for her because she just finally got out of that castle just to be trapped again oh that's so true and actually very fucking emotional when you put it like that but I mean I'm I'm not gonna say that I'm wrong because I don't think I am (laughs) although what you're saying is quite pertinent and arguably correct also I'd say we're both right because yes that but also Hallelujah the song in that sequence kind of does a specific thing it lays a groundwork for something that becomes a trope in later films and while that one yeah kind of is like mutually sad for Shrek and Fiona in Shrek 2 Fiona's sadness gets no airtime you know it's not about Fiona the person in her feelings and like trapped in the closet RE being an ogre or like part time ogre mixed ogre human you know yeah it's not about that she's very much a two dimensional character in Shrek 2 whereas in Shrek 1 she arguably has a bit more like interior life or like inner life you know and like the hallelujah sequence in Shrek 2 is like he's in her room while she's asleep and he's like looking around it and like pulls open the jewellery box and like looks through the diary and it's that song that's like everyone says you just gotta let it go that one yeah and then there's another one in Shrek 3 and there's another like hallelujah sequence in like Shrek the Halls they get progressively more myopic 
when it comes to making us emote for Shrek in a way that is not deserved. Yeah, absolutely. So while the first one itself might kind of have a bit more mutual... Despair. Yeah, mutual despair. I think what it represents in the wider franchise as a trope is still a bit, you know... Mm. Well, can I just give you a fun fact? And I have a follow-up. Oh, yeah. In 2001, Rufus Wainwright recorded a version of Hallelujah that appeared on the soundtrack to the movie Shrek. Although Kale's version, I don't know who that is, is heard in the film, DreamWorks Pictures chose Wainwright to be on the soundtrack because he was signed to the subsidiary company DreamWorks Records. The Shrek soundtrack was certified double platinum in the US in 2003. <gasps> oh. Now, Hallelujah... The what? The Shrek soundtrack? went double platform what platform <laughs> double platform yeah the shrek soundtrack was certified double platinum in the u.s in 2003 that's crazy that's two years after shrek came out the shrek soundtrack went double platinum it's mad that in my mind is like before people spent all their time on the internet that's how long things took to cycle out of like public cultural imagination you know nowadays something's a hit if it pops for a week yeah basically oh there's something quite romantic about that so it's quite nice anyway no that's not my question my question question is this hallelujah has been covered hundreds and hundreds of times and in reading that little fact it sounds to me or it feels to me as though that version being featured in shrek or the song at all was more of a convenience thing than anything arguably and i just wanted to ask you could it be argued that hallelujah and its several covers has become a trope of itself and so becomes less meaningful because it's just been done a million times it's been heard a million times and it's been felt through and through and so i don't know is there more impact or more emotion more feeling etc in the other songs that you've mentioned when there are sad moments yeah you could be right i mean it's definitely played out and i think it's because it's played out because of shrek which is interesting because like low-key like you know the jeff buckley version is it jeff buckley i think it is yeah yeah it's jeff buckley i think alexandra burke did a version yes right so when you think of like the song that's just the age i am it's the shrek version that comes to mind first before the jeff buckley version before the leonard cohen version that is the version i hear first it's the shrek version and then it's the alexandra burke version from the x factor isn't that mad because i'm the same how does it go from shrek to x factor i agree with smash mouth fuck the shrek soundtrack because that's appalling that is well yeah it's that that's a bit sad in my mind because then it's like the big media giant came in and swept away i mean i'm not really calling leonard cohen or jeff buckley the little guy in this position because they are arguably not the little guy but like but like still i'm just in my indie feels about that yeah oh yeah absolutely i don't know if i like that hmm reject modernism embrace tradition etc i don't know what's your number four please my number four is absolutely a funky town by lip sync oh my god go on you sing it please that is that that bears absolutely literally no resemblance to funky town by lip sync funky town won't you take me to Funky Town. No, you got to do the high note. That sounds more like Funky Town than yours did. No, you didn't. You did your Zarina voice. I'm not having it. No, you didn't do the do 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 do. Won't you take me to Funky Town? Oh God, is that good? God, we should send that off to Timberland. Ah! <laughs> What's he gonna do with it? I don't know. <laughs> Has Timberland made?
played any music since 2005? I've absolutely no idea. Oh, leave him. Is Timberland on the, the Shrek soundtrack? Because that'd be too much for me to handle. Timberland Shrek. Timberland Shrek. Timberland's still out there, like, doing stuff. Well, I'm proud of him and happy for him. Why are we talking about Timberland? <laughs> I am absolutely no idea i just want to press rewind on my brain to find out how we got there what were you saying lip sync why lip sync funky town please because if i'm not mistaken this is when they first arrive into far far away yes yeah no it's either when they first arrive for the first time and he's an ogre or it's for the second time when he arrives as a human for the first time yeah it is it's when they first arrive into far far away okay and the reason why i mean it's just a jam in it yeah it's so good but also, I think marrying that song with being introduced to the wonders of Far, Far Away is really interesting because Far, Far Away is just Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah. That's all it is. And I don't know much about the history of Funky Town. Like, I, 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 there is no context that I know. Who are Lips Inc? Should we do some music history? Do you know? No, I don't. Funky Town Lips well, I have something here. Hang on. From what I can see here, Time Out listed the song as number four in their list of the 100 best party songs in 2018 and said the following. Funky Town expresses a simple, repetitive yearning for the pulse of a bigger city, goosed by a killer 10-note synth riff. Gotta make a move to a town that's right for me, sings Cynthia Johnson, in a robotic voice a precursor to the auto-tuned sound before busting out an unmodified, soulful wail pleading for a trip to the party destination of her dreams. Released in 1980, Funky Town came late to the disco party but gave it a jolt of electricity. I can see that. It makes a lot of sense to me that it is, like, a song that describes a yearning for that, like, cosmopolitan party metropolis that like fucking urban center where life is happening where you're on the inside of events as they form around you yeah that makes sense to me that it is then used at that moment it feels loaded it feels emotional it feels appropriate it enhances that moment it makes the resonance of shrek arriving bumpkin boy from the fucking backwards swamp into the land of far far away mm. it doesn't just hit from like the surface you know it doesn't hit that same way as when you just think about it as like a cinematic moment but when you actually think about it contextually in relation to the song i just feel like that like is delightful good song choice great song choice but also i find it a bit strange just because from the point of view of the singer who's like you know pleading for a trip to a party destination of their dreams like it sounds very youthful and very like idealistic and whatever and we're talking about shrek we're talking about a family of ogres here it's a kid's film what are you saying shrek himself is not cool absolutely but no what i mean is like i find it strange yet interesting intriguing rather that like you know comparing the voice of the singer and like the context of the song and like it's youthful it's fun it's vivacious but like this is a family of ogres we're talking about who like enter far far away and it's just very strange to like think about them sharing that perspective that funky town perspective of like bright lights bigger city you know especially shrek i'm sorry no well yes but also do you not think that them as a family of ogres like shrek and fiona a young married couple with their little mate in tow they can fucking get down you know they're not middle-aged they're like young party people fiona's been stuck in a tower her whole life she's itching 
for a little fucking party. Just a good time. But is home where the party's at? Because that's home for her. I mean, maybe not home, but maybe that's what she's channeling, that yearning of like, just wanting to get out of the swamp for a little bit because the swamp is another prison much like the tower. Ooh. But also, I don't know, I completely, I don't think about Fiona when I think about Funky Town. I think about it from the point of view of Shrek. And because of that, it's very strange because like thinking about his ideals and like plopping him in a city or a place, a land like that is just so odd. And it's obviously not something that he wants. And for Fiona, that's different because, you know, that's home for her. Like she isn't looking for the bigger city vibe. True. But like it stands to reason then that he's the one that's looking for the bigger city vibe. And maybe he is secretly, but like to couple that with like Shrek's personality. No, I don't think he's looking for the big city vibe. Like I think it's meant to be one of those moments where like the song kind of like exacerbates the dissonance between what's going on on screen and what's going on for your ears. Like, it's like, won't you take me to Funky Town? And it's Sh- Shrek being like, I don't want to be in fucking Funky Town, I want to be in my swamp. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dissonance! Well, I mean, you never know, maybe he secretly is yearning for it and lives through it vicariously through Donkey. Can you imagine what Shrek would look like if he was not actually a country bumpkin and was a little city boy? Like, what would Shrek look like if he was, like, proper, I was going to say, metrosexual? The first thing that comes to mind is that, like, he would be a bodybuilder type and would be in the gym all the time and he would wear, like, navy three-piece suits. Yes! With a little thing dangling from the pocket swatch thing. He would wear slim-fit shirts. And would just be standing in bars. <sighs> Slim fit shirt. Yeah, absolutely. And the collars would be open, though. It wouldn't be to the top. Yes. And he would be standing there like this. I know nobody can see me apart from you right now. He'd be standing there with his chest out. Yes. Puffing out. Slim fit shirt, tight, skinny suit trousers. And you can bet your... Your... your, 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 You you can bet your arse that if he is wearing... Bottom dollar. Bet your bottom dollar. If he is wearing a navy suit, skinny fit navy suit with a skinny leg... Yeah? He's wearing a brown brogue. Like a tan brogue. Absolutely. And he'd just be standing there at the bar of a bar looking to chat people up. Silver cufflinks. Oh, yeah. And silver earrings. Silver studs. Silver studs and a fat watch. We're just describing... That's a very Birmingham man, actually. Yeah. We're describing a very Birmingham Asian man right now. And I'm here for it. I think Shrek would also have a goatee, just to add. I don't think that is Asian specific. I think I have seen many a white man look like that in and around the Midlands areas. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's very Birmingham, though. On white men, it's a bit like wannabe Peaky Blinder. Oh, my God. Are you saying he would wear a flat cap? I think... Backwards. That bald man Shrek would wear a flat cap, but not with the three-piece suit. The three-piece suit he would wear to go out on the town. Yeah. Like... That's his nice night out. But on just like a casual one to the pub, he would wear a flat cap with a blue denim shirt, black denim skinny jeans. Oh, yeah. Pointed boot. (laughs) Pointed boot. And the denim shirt would be rolled up, also buttoned down. Oh, my God. Yes, he would. And he'd be wearing a sheepskin jacket with the flat cap. That's what Shrek would look like as a metrosexual. Ugh. That is a nightmare to me. I think that is where we should end this because arguably that image of metrosexual Shrek is better than any fifth song. I second that. That is worth two songs. That is worth a whole fucking album, my friend, and you know it. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's on vinyl. That is on vinyl, cassette, CD and digital download. (laughs) Right. So, I have to leave you with one final thing that I discovered. This had better be good because you're holding the whole class back. We all want to go to lunch, Seema. Okay, ready? 
<laughs> I don't understand. What is going on? I hate this. Es war einmal eine schöne Prinzessin. Aber sie war mit einem bösen Fluch belegt, der nur von der Liebe erster Kuss gebrochen werden konnte. Sie war eingesperrt in einer Burg, bewacht von einem schrecklichen, feuerspeienden Drachen. Viele tapfere Ritter hatten versucht, sie aus diesem entsetzlichen Gefängnis zu befreien, aber keinen war es gelungen. Is this German Shrek? Swedish Shrek? What is it? I think it's a German Shrek audiobook. And it says, Das Original Hörspiel zum Kinofilm. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> okay. That's disruptive. I know, it's um scary. Disquieting. Yes. I I'm quite upset by that, actually. <laughs> That's, that's really disagrees with me. No offence to the Germans. But if that's what their audiobooks sound like. Why Why is the intro so long? It was a good 45 seconds. That's unnecessary. When I put on my audiobook, I want my audiobook. I don't want no intro. I get annoyed when they read too much of the title. Chapter one, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that Shrek audiobook. But anyway, thank you for sharing and thank you for listening. We have been Come Ogre here. If you have enjoyed this little teaser trailer, the unmitigated chaos that this was, then please feel free to join us on Spotify for like a full length episode. We're only on Spotify and the last episode we were speaking about Shrek 3. So we're like properly in there. We're like properly getting into the meat of this Shrek business. But yeah, that's all. You can also find us on Twitter at here underscore. Remember the underscore because at here is already taken and that is someone else and they will not understand what you're on about if you try and heckle them on Twitter. But we'll know what's going on. So please let let us know what you thought about the Shrek soundtrack. Do you agree? What would be your number five in our top five that we never completed? Let us know your thoughts because we just want to chat about Shrek. <laughs> so that's it from us. Thank you to Sandy slash DJ Nahi. I've been Serena Mohammed. And I've been Seema Matu. And we've been your local Shrek experts. Thank you for joining us and goodbye. Good night. Good evening. Farewell. Alpha Vita Zen. Come on, 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 come on,